Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. So excited for today's conversation. It comes on the heels of the last two weeks where we hosted a panel of psychiatrists, mental health experts, and they talked about mental health in the Black community and what we as Black and underrepresented minorities in healthcare face, kind of that double taxation, the double burden of being underrepresented in the space while treating our patients with suffering from so many mental health conditions. If you haven't had a chance, definitely go check out that episode. Uh, there's two episodes, but we will be putting them together in one conversation that'll drop later this week. So go ahead and check that out with limited commercial interruptions. This week, Dr. Nate Jones and I continue this conversation with less of the mental health expertise, but we do talk about one facet that was brought up and that is the issue of burnout. Burnout is such a huge deal in modern medicine and society and we're recognizing the detrimental effects that it has on all of us. So over the next two weeks, Dr. Nate Jones and I will discuss how we've experienced burnout, how we've managed burnout and how we're working to overcome burnout. Uh, within our lives and within our practice of medicine. After a quick word from our sponsor, Picmonic, we'll jump into today's show. If you want to be involved in future episodes, check out our website, www.theblackdoctorspodcast.com and click on Pass the Mic. You can answer that question prompt and we can include your response in a future episode. Thanks for listening. And now on to today's show. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. What's new? How's, uh, how's Philly? Philly is Philly. No, okay, Philly's not bad. It's, it's actually growing on me a little bit more than I thought it was going to. Um, work is work is trying to kill me. The volumes, ED volumes have not changed. It's been crazy busy every day, so I don't know what's going on. We're seeing viruses we've never seen in July and August. Uh, so. You want to talk about that? Man, I'm more scared of monkeypox than um, COVID. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But yeah, no, monkeypox, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Every little rash we see, we're like, is it monkeypox? Is it... I mean, there are other rashes out there, but yeah, everyone's freaking I mean, out. I mean, people still trying to shake my hand and you about to get dapped. I know. I mean, lucky you guys are lucky. And I mean, I'm not lucky in anesthesia because you are in people's mouths. So I don't know if like, if it's totally the best, but um, at least you guys know before I'm because if people have rashes and fever, it's not going to the OR usually. Um, usually. Yeah. So, usually, but. Ooh, ooh, no, so we need, to find, we need to find somebody else to intubate them because... Yeah, yeah. Well, the rest of us in the ED, we don't have that luxury. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your service. <laughs> they just come straight through the door. <laughs> no, um, sorry. Well, I'm, a, I'm a civilian now, clearly. You are. How does it feel like to not be in the military anymore? Man. Oh, you are a veteran. You're not a veteran. Sorry, you're a veteran. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, right. I'm a veteran. veteran. That, yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, I got to get my benefits uh, straight It's a GI out. bill and everything. Yes. Feels good. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I swore in during residency. Okay. I swore in. Obama was president. Life was good. Times were good. Times were good. Then they flipped the script and they said, I know I'm in Trump's Navy. Um, yep. Yep. On on boats. Trying to, on boats. Try, try to treat COVID. Uh, <laughs> try well, to treat. 
Um, yeah. Probably the one thing people probably don't know, some people know, like when you're in the military, there is specifically like rules against speaking out against elected officials. There's like a whole list. Oh, Obviously the president, interesting. senators, congressmen, down to even like yeah. state government, state yeah. leadership. Okay. Um, where you're like literally not supposed to say anything negative or that can be perceived as negative. I mean, it's, it's all written out in policy. So you really can't just be going off on social Interesting. Media, right? So, I mean, I don't know what it does, but like the, the First Amendment, what is it like? Don't people have First Amendment rights? I don't know. Not in the military. I guess. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you sign on the dotted line, swore in. So, you know, I had to mm-hmm. keep it PC. Couldn't yeah. say too much while I was in. So that, that was a, a big change, even down to like politics. Like there's oh, wow. regulations, like you can get like one bumper sticker on your autumn, on, on your vehicle during election wow. year. You can't campaign uh-huh. in yeah. uniform. I think mm-hmm. it's just in uniform. Like you can't host part. Like there's a lot of strict rules, that, which, you know, nobody's really checking. But yeah, it's something you don't really want to like, get caught. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, wow. well, that's, that's over. I'm okay. back to my best life. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, we're supposed to talk about burnout. Yeah. And we're, and we're which is funny because we're both really tired. Both are really tired. That both, is life. I know. Do Do you feel like? How do you feel like burnout compares from fellow life to attending life? You were in attending. Now you're back in fellowship. So you train. Yeah. You, Came in attending, now you're back in training. What does what does burnout feel like? How's I'll tell you what, I'm burnt. I'm burnt out of people asking me, hmm, so how's it feel to be a fellow when you used to be in attending? I'm like, well, <laughs> like I didn't know what I was like, I didn't know what I was saying. Exactly. Up for. Like, I literally did exactly. this for four years, right? Yeah. I feel like super relaxed. I mean, some of that is I chose to if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen I posted multiple videos about what's going on in life. But I went back to keyword is multiple, multiple, multiple videos. Yeah, <laughs> I get my reels bonus. So I see, uh, I see. I went back to University of Chicago where I did my residency. So mm-hmm. I was kind of cutting my losses. I know a lot of the attendings that are there, both in anesthesia and ICU and surgery. You know, a lot of a lot of folks stay there. So folks I went to residency with are now attendings. Um, I knew the facilities, the EMR. So that part was a super easy transition. I wanted to come mm-hmm. back because they knew, like I, I trained there and was hoping that I'd kind of be treated with a little bit of like, you know, I don't need to come and prove myself to a new group. So that part has been working mm-hmm. out really well. It's honestly been relaxing being a fellow because I don't have to make those decisions. Like I'm, I'm making oh, decisions. Yeah. But I was like, I don't have to sign notes and bill, mm-hmm. and I'm not that person that everything comes down on. Because, I mean, it's stressful. Like, you don't really know that going through, you think it's all like the attendants have the easy job and they just sit back Fine and charge. chill. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nope. Mm-hmm. It, is, it looks like that, but it is so much more to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's stressful. Like, it's got to be. I mean, but also, like, you're also in the ICU. Um, so that adds a different level of stress to it, which is a little bit harder. I mean, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit more of a balance of both, I guess. Yeah. What well, do you find yourself trying to figure out different ways of saying, like staying sane? How do you say, like, I mean, you're always on the go. You're always doing something. I'm, I'm very different from you, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you um, always do it. It's, you know, it's come a long way. Like people talk about burnout. People talk about work-life balance. And for me, it's like, I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing at the moment. And sometimes mm-hmm. I can play my music or the only like 
balance that I actually have built into my life and structure is the podcast because I have to put an episode mm-hmm. out every Monday. Mm-hmm. So that means like 10 o'clock on a Sunday, I am furiously typing away and editing yeah. podcasts so I can get it uploaded. That's probably the only thing I do with any uh-huh. sense of regu- you know, regu- being regular. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I just kind of live life. Sometimes, you know, residency in medical school and, you know, being an attending, stuff's just super busy. Like, I, you go through different seasons where it's like, man, I'm just getting crushed. I'm in the ICU. Yeah. I'm super busy. And during those months, I'm not making music. I'm not on Instagram as much. Um, I'm just trying to make it. But then I mm-hmm. go to something lighter. And now I'm back, you know, on top again with time for extracurriculars. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Literally. I was I that how you do it, the drink in the hand. If for those who can't see. <laughs> safe, safe space. Safe space. <laughs> it's okay. It's after hours. He's not working. It's totally appropriate. Um, but I, don't, I mean, I don't know. So what what works for you? Oh man, you know what's funny is I was actually trying to think about that. Um I, similar to your significant other, um, are very, we have a sort of state where we just sort of are very active and then we're absolutely not doing anything. It's hard to, I'm not, I'm not someone who always moves on the go. I always have to like do it in spurts. So for me, it's like, if I'm working on something, once it's due, it's done. Like book chapter done, paper done. Like I'm not doing anything else. And then I mean, it's on the couch. Wait, are, you, are you doing it before, like? How close to the deadline do you do what you need to do? <laughs> I mean, I am someone who, you know, I work in, I work in emergency medicine. I do love a little bit of adrenaline. Um, <laughs> I do love, <laughs> I love, that, that's the thing about me. If you don't give me a deadline about something, mm-hmm. as you know, working with me, like it, it, it's, it's on my list, but and it's even not going to get done. Even with the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> even a self-imposed deadline is like, oh, we get it. I feel bad sometimes for people who have to work Which with me. That's why we're, we're recording 20 minutes later than we were supposed to. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm trying to balance. But um, <laughs> no, I, I do envy those who have like, you know, this like very well-rounded way of approaching things. I think I'm also year two into it and being an attending. So life is very slowly becoming more sane and more regular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's like it's, it's listening to music. Um, it's writing. Back when I used to write for fun, sleeping, naps. Mm. And again, happy hours and brunches. That's literally that's like, yeah. in that order. That's what I would have to go down. I love sleep. You so. can, for those of you that don't know, so Nate introduced me to my now wife. They went to undergrad together. Mm-hmm. But as you know, she likes to get up early. She does. She does. I don't know how she does it every morning. Yeah. So for me, I'm a night owl. So I'm usually even like for the last like five or six years throughout residency or so longer than that. I usually go to bed around midnight. And I got to get up at 5.30, 6 o'clock to go to work. I wake up every morning cursing the fact that I went into anesthesia and I had to be somewhere early. <laughs> I yeah. wake up in the shower. So on the days that I don't have to do anything, whether that's vacation or the weekend, I can stay in bed until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Your wife cannot. And yes. I, she has literally, so because you and I are we have been best friends since college, and I, every time she ever like go on vacation together or stay over, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't understand why she wakes up at seven o'clock in the morning and just gets her day started. I'm similar to you, where I'll sleep in until like at least eleven or twelve, and that works. And my field it works because you know my shift schedule allows me to like work at three p.m., work at five p.m., work at you know midnight sometimes. So it's helpful, but I don't know there. But I do like. The idea of actually getting up early sometimes because you are doing these before people are awake, before people are answering emails, before people are even looking at anything. 
I'm not productive at all in the morning, but you know, I like to believe I could be. What do you no. think? Um, I'm so distracted that anything that happens during the daylight, especially I found this in medical school, because mm-hmm. we know we have to go to, to class. I think you probably you guys are probably doing it too, like that problem-based learning discussion crap. Yeah. Did you do that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I hated it because that's not how I learn at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't learn. Like I don't trust people that I'm working with. Yeah. Oh, I said that. Sorry. If I oh, work with you, I don't know. But I'm not I don't, out. <laughs> it, it is what it is. So I'm supposed to be in medical school. This is nothing personal. But we're supposed to learn from each other. And like I don't really yeah. trust, like, I'm sure you read whatever, but I can't yeah. learn from you. So I mm-hmm. would go to Howard. We had a good time. We'd sit in our mm-hmm. uh, small group three. We go through all these cases or whatever, problem-based learning, because it's a new way to learn. And I wouldn't learn anything. I was just like social hour for me. And it wasn't until like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, everybody else goes to bed. My best studying was like 11 p.m. to three or four in the morning. I get up and and that's just what worked for me. And I've never really changed from that, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think people are wired differently. And I think that's why when you think about burnout, I think sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on like our own resiliency and that, like, we need to be morning people. We need to be, you know, mm-hmm. you know, talk about like to be a millionaire, to be a CEO. You need to have done like five things before five a.m. or some some crazy stuff like that. that. Um, but at the end of the day, is like we're all wired differently, and we work in systems sometimes that don't allow us to be mm-hmm. different. And then that lack of flexibility is what makes us feel burnt out. And some, for me at least, that's at least why I believe in it. Like, yeah. I have my own level of resiliency, but like, I mean, on like any given day, if Nate's not like you know eating. And I was sleeping in, like, Nate's not going to be doing too well. So, but some days I can't sleep in. Some days I can't, you know, always eat, you know, a meal right before I go to work. Sometimes it's, it's, it changes based off the system. I think that the, in addition to the different systems that we're in, there is the perception. Because, like, look on the outside, especially when we were in residency together. For those of you that don't know, Nate and I went to residency together in Chicago. And you were always, like, working with the national, I don't know, PEDS, American Academy of Pediatrics, yeah. American Academy of Pediatrics. You were Mm -hmm. doing a master's in public policy. I'm looking at Nate like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Nate is, because you always walk fast everywhere you go. You got to shuffle around. I'm like, Nate is out here doing Nate is (laughs) over-caffeinated. That's the problem. (laughs) Nate needs to lay off the coffee. That's what's going Uh, on. (laughs) But but you you look, and and same thing my wife says to me, it's like, oh, if I'd known people like you could become doctors, I would have gone to medical school. Because people on the outside, that people, is not fair. I mean, yeah, this is a, that's our abusive relationship. Um, on the Aww. outside, people think that, that I'm super productive. And she, if mm-hmm. you ask her, like she'll tell you that I am literally laying in bed on a Saturday until one o'clock until she says, yeah. like, you got to get up. Um, yeah. Like on, yeah. gen- on general principle, you have to get out of the bed right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. She knows that I will sit around because I have to have a deadline, even if it's like, mm. She's like, oh, can you take the trash out? And I'll be like, well, mm-hmm. when do you need me to do this by? Yeah, yeah. Knowing darn well, I'm going to wait till two minutes before that deadline and then mm-hmm. get up, boom. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the, the God honest truth. It's I don't have everything together. Far from it. Yeah. I will procrastinate on a lot of stuff to the last minute. And that's why I'm up till two in the morning on mm-hmm. a Monday uh, editing a podcast. 
<laughs> but, but I think, but I think, but I think there needs to be more transparency with that, right? Because I think a lot of people do believe that, like, to be a physician, that you have to be type A. You must have all your stuff together. Like, you cannot miss anything. You, you're, you're extremely smart, and even though we are, you know, smart and you know, talented and, and amazing in our own individual rights, but like, we're also human beings, and I think people forget that. I think mm-hmm. people forget that, like, we are just as fallible and just as messy as any other person. And sometimes more so because, you know, our lives can be a little more chaotic. But that's the, that's the, that's the lack, the lack of transparency is what allows us to sort of move in these spaces. But we're in attending. So you must be all knowing and all, and all seeing and all these great things yeah. that aren't really true. You know, we're all human beings. Yeah. So, that, I, I mean, that, that. Med, that med school experience for me and thankfully mm-hmm. I found Hey, it's Steven, host of the Black Doctors Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn. They are a sponsor of the Black Doctors Podcast, and we're thankful for them investing in our mission. TrueLearn is a company that specializes in test preparation. They provide a data-driven approach to help students prepare for their examinations. They provide resources for those in the medical licensure exam process, or the COMLEX, the USMLE, and even for physician assistants. And they also provide resources for subspecialty exam prep. Specifically for those in medical school, they offer individual NBME subject exams, smart banks, and they cover the rotations that include neurology, emergency medicine, psychiatry, pediatrics, surgery, OBGYN, family medicine, and internal medicine. Eight different subspecialties. As a special bonus for those of you that listen to the show, TrueLearn is offering a discount. To receive that discount, visit their website. When you sign up for one of their products, use the code BDPODCAST. So Black Doctors Podcast. There's also going to be a link in the show notes. Check that out. Everybody loves saving money. And now let's get back to today's episode. All knowing and all and all seeing and all these great things yeah. that aren't really true. You know, we're all human beings. Yeah, oh, that, I mean, that, med, that med school experience for me and thankfully mm-hmm. I found like a tribe and I'm still yeah. close with them. You met some of them at our, at our wedding. Mm-hmm. Once I really got to know some of my classmates and realized that behind like the appearance, not even that they were like portraying themselves as having everything together. I think it's just naturally like we assume that everybody yeah. else has it together. And then we got close and we realized like, oh, you're broke too. Oh man, you don't know what you're doing yeah. here. I yeah. like, you didn't know how you got here. You're worried mm-hmm. you're not going to match. You're worried about yeah. passing step one. Um, yeah. And now that was just within that small cohort that I was close to, even at a HBCU medical school, because there are still people that, you know, some people truly are, I don't know, this gifted or just very good learners, mm-hmm. or some people just mm-hmm. like, some people do cruise all the way through. And I'm sure they have their yeah. own issues, but it was nice to have people to connect with and realize yeah. that we share the same struggle. Yeah. I mean, I think I read, um, I don't know, I'm going to sound smart for a second and I'm going to sound really stupid because <laughs> I can't remember where, I, where I, I actually heard this from. Um, I was reading this book by Malcolm Gladwell and I can't remember which, which one of his books I was reading. And, and one of the examples he gives is the idea of like, Somewhere in the Netherlands, or some, one, of, one of the places where it's like the happiest place in the world, right? Everyone's happiness index is the highest, but they mm. also have the, one of the highest rates of suicide. And one of the things that he hypothesizes um, is that, like, it's because it may be because that everyone seems so happy that your own internal sadness is that much more magnified because you can't share that sadness with other people. Uh, it's a sort of misery loves company type of thing that, like, yeah. that I think is it's interesting because in, in medicine. Or even in a lot of careers, like we, if everyone thinks that everyone's doing well and you internally know that you feel that you're not doing well, I feel like that can magnify your feelings of inadequacy, imposter syndrome, and all this terrible stuff. So um, that's all the good stuff. Malcolm so. Gladwell, I'll come back to that. 
The, you know, that, that whole story, because I have this book about, I think it's called Hugga. It's that like Norwegian H-Y-G-G-E. Oh. <laughs> it's just like Norwegian concept of like yeah. uh, their environment and the things they create. And yeah. sure, they're like the happiest people in the Netherlands. But how do they treat black people? Mm. And it goes to show like how relative for me, it's like how, how relative is happiness? Sure, we're yeah. happy if we're Americans or yeah. Swedish, like we're happy, but how do we treat the people that come or don't look like us? And like, I don't know. That, mm-hmm. So I've always like, I'm like, I got to take that happiness with a grain of salt because that's not happy for, for everybody. It's like the good old days in America. Yes. They, they weren't good for everybody. I know. I mean, people celebrating the Fourth of July like we were all free. We were not. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that that's the thing, right? It's it's that like the relative nature of everything is that like I think burnout. There's burnout. And there's burnout for black people, right? And yeah. burnout for black people in medicine. <laughs> like it's like it's a it's a it's a different level of weight when you're in the system that is not designed for you to exist, right? You're in a system that doesn't and I'm designed to treat people who even look like you. It's not until recently that we even saw dermatology textbooks that even show, like, you know, what what some diseases look like on on, on pigmented skin, like, on, like yeah. that's that's crazy, right? Like, and so like, though that constant reminder, I mean, I, I even look at like some hospital logos, and I'm just like, is that a white child on your logo? Like, is that like, is that what you stand for? Like, is that what is that what this is? And it's, it's, but that's the thing. It's like that's, and I don't I don't know how you deal with it because I'm still working on trying to build that like buffer but again it goes back to like what is my role in preventing burnout and then what is the role of the institutions in which we work under to ensure our yeah. wellness and our, and our and our well-being so at least we got juneteenth i mean i mean, I mean <laughs> that just became a holiday how long ago <laughs> like, 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 the way the right? way i look at it like i'm an eternal uh, i'm not really an optimist i'm usually okay. i'm usually pretty pessimistic i don't know I think I'm a mm-hmm. pragmatist. That's a really yeah. Fancy I would say word. that. Yeah, you're very, you're very pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way I look at it is that we have all these systemic issues that we know are grounded in racism. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned, the social and structural determinants of health, mm-hmm. uh, rela- all that stuff is grounded in systemic and structural racism. But I cannot get up every day to fight systemic and structural racism. I can't mm-hmm. remind people where this came. So one, I pick and choose battles. And when there's a chance for it to educate, I do. But the second thing I do is realize that some of this is just ignorance and the status quo. And it's not that the hospital system yeah. chose to deliberately uh, treat black patients poorly. No, it's, it's the systemic thing. But until mm-hmm. somebody, whether they be a, a black person or a person of color or somebody with that, that, justice mindset that I'm going to right these wrongs and I'll look at the systemic effect and actually affect a change. Everything's mm-hmm. just going to keep going the same way it is. It's not that they're making the the, the choice every day to be racist. Mm. It's just, it, it is what it is until somebody mm. changes that. Um, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I have a different of opinion, difference of opinion, but, um, I, <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah. I, 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 but I, I mean, I mean, back to what, I, <laughs> but it, it's a type of podcast. Like, I, see, I see the no, black, no, no. the black Panthers, uh, banner on your wall behind you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it, it's, uh, it goes back to the episode we had, we, that would just aired, you know, um, I guess this is this is July 7th. So we'll have what aired last week and was on um, one of the, the panelists talked about arson, versus burnout mm-hmm. and the idea and to me that struck me as so important to understand like 
whose responsibility, who is responsible for me feeling like this? Is it just me? Is it just me? Do I have this poor coping mechanism? Is that what's going on? Or is it also a system that is designed to make sure that I don't exist here? Right? Is there a system that is intentionally racist in a lot of ways? And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I, I always think about like, like um, the police, they're like, we're not racist. We don't, we, we, we're here supporting the whole community. And you find out like, they're like, you know, Klansmen. And you're just like, well, how, like, how can you show up to be a police officer and you're a member of the yeah. Klan? Like, like, what is like, like, so like, and there, and, and the people who like, um, you look at like the, the uh, January 6th hearings and people who are just like, oh no, we were, we're just trying to you know, fight. You know, we thought this election was unfair and all this other stuff. And, and I realized that, no, they actually knew that it, there was no there was no corruption here. They knew there was nothing wrong with this, but they did it anyway. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Sometimes I think about these these architects of these major like institutions, and and I, I don't know how well we can absolve them of all responsibility when it comes to racism, right? And 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 its intention to you know to to carry us down. I feel like I don't know. I, I'm I'm still investigating that part of me. I'm trying to be more more. I'm trying to be more optimistic. I am very much pessimistic and pragmatic as possible, but I'm trying to be optimistic here, but some of these institutions have been around since like the 1800s. And I'm just yeah. like, mm, I don't know about this. But yeah, yeah, I feel which, that one which, which is one of the reasons I valued your perspective. You know, when we first met, I was like, yo, you're very mellow and laid back, but you get you on the right subject and then that passion comes through and I'm like, okay, I'm I can see how Nate, yeah, like, what is, how does Nate feel about this? What is Nate's thoughts? And, and then, you, you know, you choose to accept that thought process or, or like, yeah. it's always something that I can learn from your perspective. Yeah, I learned from you as well. I mean, I think we both have different perspectives because we both come from different different backgrounds. We, and mm-hmm. um, that's the mm-hmm. thing about being black is that like there's no there's no monolithic uh, there's no there's no monolithic background. I mean, um, part of diaspora, we all have different um, perspectives on this. There are people out there who don't even believe that like racism impact medicine at all. Like, yeah, but like, and there's still institutions out there that still practice race based medicine. Like, it's like, like it's, it's crazy. There's still or the uh, the black people that say they never experienced racism. Yes. Yes, and then you're going into Kanye territory, talking about slavery was a choice. It's it's a slippery slope. <laughs> I mean, but Kanye, you know, he's a genius, and yeah, yeah. the way he looks at things, that's a whole other conversation. Of course, of Come course. Right <laughs> that would be another episode. <laughs> Kanye, <laughs> the vice of topic. Yeah. Um, oh man. If if Nate, you had to look back on your career, your pathway through and becoming a physician. When would you think was the first time, if you look back, like, I was burnt out at, at this specific time, like, for the first time? Oh, you know what's funny about that, about burnout? Is that, that's a really good question. Because I feel like you don't know you're burnt out. Of course, it's a good question, Nate. That's why I asked it. <laughs> I, I wanted okay, to say that. Sir. I wanted to say the that every, of you are. in every podcast. I, will, I always want to say that. See, that's, that's what goes in my head. But you know. okay, well, Barbara Walters over here is telling you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it over here. Thank you, sir. Uh, anyway, Don um, Levin, I appreciate you. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> um, when did I? That's the thing. I don't think I ever knew I was burnt out. I think I struggled in med school. I struggled with depression a lot. And I um, was struggling with what is the difference between depression and burnout? You know, that's a you know, very slippery slope too and a very hard thing to define. Um, but I think it wasn't until I had like a lecture in residency, I think it was, and someone described burnout in a way that like burnout is 
when you can't recharge for the next day. Like you've given everything you gave day one. By day two, you feel worse than you felt on day one. And I was like, that's like every day. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean oh, that's no. what burned out? Is that life? Like, what, is, what do you mean? Um, and then it wasn't until like, I think it was definitely in my midway through residency that I was like, oh, I am pessimistic about everything. I don't care. I've lost the ability to like want to show up on time or want yeah. to finish my notes on time. or even want to learn. Like, I don't even want to do this anymore. And the only breaks I had would burn out would get better was when I would switch rotations. Because mm-hmm. I think you start a rotation. Yeah. You always get, you know, that, that, that rota- residency where you start that fresh rotation. You're like, oh, it's going to yeah. be good. I'm going to learn. I'm going to get my notes done. It's like, it's like the last like four days of, of the one rotation yeah. and then the first four of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, yes, I got this. I'm going to be good. And then by the last, almost, it's probably the worst. It's probably the almost last week of the rotation. You're just mm-hmm. like, if another person asks me to put a Tylenol order in, I'm going to lose mm-hmm. my shit. And, like, <laughs> and then that's the case. And I think now as even fellowship and as an attending, I'm so conscious of when I feel burnt out because I know it's when I walk it's when I walk into a room and I don't want to be there or I don't want to go to work or you know I don't I don't want to be on a call I don't want to do any of these things um, and I think burnout also leaves marks sometimes too I don't think burnout is temporary I don't think it just comes and goes I think it leaves lingering ideas and thoughts of just like I could write this paper or I could try this research project but like I'm so tired from the last one I'm so tired from the last publication you know I'm so tired from the last conference that I went to. And so I think uh, that is, that's the problem with burnout is like, you don't know you have it until you've already suffered too much from it. And that's the problem. Yeah. So I, I was trying to answer my own question. I'm thinking back, yeah. like, when did I first, and I remember like the applications process to mm-hmm. medical school that sucked. Mm-hmm. That was stressful anxiety to the point. Like I'm nauseated throwing up. Yeah. Um, got into med school. That sucked. I was yeah. great going to Howard, but the stress and then the match is step yes. one. But mm-hmm. to honestly say that I was burned out, I think the first time I could say that was in residency. And it was probably towards mm-hmm. the end of residency. And yeah. thinking back, I think I connect feeling burnt out with also having the option to to stop, to step back, like mm-hmm. ha- to have some uh, control over my circumstances. And I say that like I couldn't stop and take a break when I was applying to medical school. Yeah, I, or I wouldn't have made it right. I had to keep going. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. rest up in medical school uh, when I was applying to residency. I had to push through. Mm-hmm. Um, my first kind of recollection of burnout was we were at, we were at University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, two things happened. One of the uh, surgery residents passed away. Oh, um, that's right. I remember that. Like, yeah, just, just suddenly didn't wake yep. up one morning. Mm-hmm. And right behind that, I had a good friend uh, in residency in New York, and she called me and one of her co-residents who I we'd known for medical school also mm-hmm. didn't wake up. Wow. And so losing two people, we were all the same age, had the same life experiences, and they both weren't here anymore within like a yeah. one or two week time. And I mm-hmm. remember sitting there and just thinking like, man, they worked so hard to get to where they were. Mm-hmm. And it's gone now. Yeah. Why am I? Why am I killing myself for this? Exactly. Yeah. And I had really worked hard in residency. You know, I'm looking at my evaluations now. Like my evaluations were up, down, mostly mm-hmm. below my peers. But I'd gained enough social capital. I'd worked hard enough in residency. I'd done well enough in the entrance exams that I had the leeway to just check out. 
Yeah. And for about four or five months, if you remember, that's when I was remodeling my uh, my kitchen and my condo. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I yeah. unplugged. I said, yeah. I, I can't, I cannot just keep pushing through. I need to mm-hmm. rest and recharge. Now, on the yeah. flip side, right, I still had to go to work every day and do anesthesia and yeah. not kill people and, and perform. Yeah. So I performed yeah. clinically, but the extra stuff, the research product, all that extra stuff, if, if it was extra, yeah. I didn't do it. I didn't study for entering exam. I yeah. just went home and remodeled my kitchen. And that was my first yeah. time, like, I had been pushed to the point where I needed to step away. Mm-hmm. And I was at a point where I could step away without yeah. uh, significantly impacting my future, my career. Um, yeah. I think that was just a really... This week for sign out, I want to leave us all with some actionable advice, things that we can incorporate into our lives to mitigate and manage burnout. This is from a random blog post, Metatopia, but it seemed very apropos for the conversation that we had. It gives eight steps to avoiding burnout. Number one is review your expectations. I think it's so key that expectations can very quickly and easily get out of hand and even more and more and more can be expected of us. So take some time to review those expectations and reset those expectations as is necessary. Step number two is to recognize your current situation. Are you feeling burnt out? Do you need to take a break? Know where you are and have that self-actualization, that self-realization. Step number three is to be mindful of your feelings and your needs. I think that goes without further explanation. Just know what you need. Ask for it, uh, whatever you need to to get it, um, do that. Number four, something we mentioned in the show, try saying no. No is a complete sentence. You don't need to say anything more. Just say no. Step number five or recommendation number five is to declutter your work environment. That's something that I struggle with as I look around my desk in my office that I've been working on putting together for the last, I don't know, uh, six weeks. But um, sure, maybe at some point I will declutter and that will help. Number six, take short breaks. I am guilty of taking um, long breaks, but uh, you know, if you're getting burnt out, go ahead and stop and pause and regroup, regather. Number seven, create boundaries. I think we talked about that extensively on the show. And number eight, explore your resources. What resources are available from your job or online? Maybe some of these mental health wellness apps. I've never tried them, but they seem cool on Instagram. But check out your resources that are available to you and see if there's anything there that will help you mitigate and prevent burnout. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you haven't already, leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And go ahead and leave a comment with that review as well. We're working on some special gifts for the next couple of people that leave us uh, comments. And of course, please visit our website, thelightheartspodcast.com. Click on the pass the mic icon and let us know how you recognize and avoid burnout within your own life. Thanks for tuning in to the Light Outers podcast. We're here because representation matters.